A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey friends, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. My name is Kevin Garcia. Welcome to another episode. I'm thrilled you're here. You have probably noticed, um, or maybe you didn't notice, and if you didn't, you're a jerk. Just kidding. I love you so much. Um, But you may have noticed that I have been a little bit of a hiatus, a little break from work, and that is because I was kind of Uh, getting a little burnt out on stuff. And so I decided rather than getting burnt out and hating everything I was doing, I was going to take a step back, look for why I was doing this and recalibrate my focus on the things I really wanted to do. And so I did just that. I took some time off. I figured out what I wanted. Um, I planned out some brand new content. I have a lot of video production stuff coming up, so that's exciting. I have so many interviews that have already lined up for the podcast, and I have a couple of different writing projects that are coming to fruition. You can all expect a whole bunch of amazing stuff like that coming out this week. If you want to, go over to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash hello, I'm Kevin, or just search Kevin Garcia on YouTube. You should be able to find me that way. Um, But I posted a video about the new content coming out there, new Patreon rewards that are happening, and that's going to be live very, very soon, and a few other things. Um, One quick announcement before I get started um, with this. Actually, it's an encore episode today, which I'm so glad that you guys are getting to hear this. I'm really excited to share with you that I'm going to be giving a talk at the Q Christian Fellowship National Conference in Chicago, Illinois. I'm going to be giving a talk called Let's Talk About Sexual Ethics, which is my first public talk about sex. I am thrilled about about it. Um, and I hope you are too. You can go to qchristian.org to get your tickets for the conference. I'm very excited to be there. I'm excited for spending good time with people. I'm also probably going to be on the worship team again. That stuff's all being worked up. Either way, if you don't have your tickets now, if you don't have your room now, if you don't have your um, plane ticket, go ahead and start scoping those things out. And I'll see you in Chicago in January, my friends. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's all as far as announcements are concerned. Um, keep an eye out on the social media for new things coming out this week. There's a whole lot of it. And as per usual, you can go to thekevingarcia.com to sign up for my newsletter and get all those things in your inbox. So um, today is actually an encore episode uh, with an interview with my friend Garrett Conley. If you have been seeing anywhere around the queer Twitterverse, Instagram land, the new film Boy Erased just premiered as a major motion picture, and it's based off of a memoir by my friend Garrett Conley. The book was published in 2016, and it was nominated for a shit ton of awards. And it just tells the story of um, Garrett's story of being um, in conversion therapy and all the crazy things that happened to him there. Conley is also the producer and creator of the Unerased podcast, which explores the history of conversion therapy in America through interviews, historical documents, and archive materials. A survivor of conversion therapy himself, Conley is an activist and speaker for Penguin Random House, the Speakers Bureau, lecturing at schools and venues across the country on radical compassion, riding through your trauma, and growing up gay in the complicated land that is the South. He works with other activists to help end conversion therapy in the United States as well as abroad. Uh, besides his book, Boy Erased, you can find his work in the New York Times, uh, Time Magazine, by CNN, BuzzFeed, Them, the Virginia Quarterly Review, the Huffington Post, and so many other places. Uh, he's currently working on a new book, novel which is set to come out in 2020 on the queer lives of 18th century folk which is really exciting um lives in new york um garrett's a really awesome guy um he was actually one of the first people to say yes to 
coming on the show, even though we didn't know each other. And it's really cool to see how far his story has come. So in this interview, we go over the book, we go over being queer in the South, we go over changing our stories. And I will say the interview is pretty dated because we actually were talking about when Donald Trump was just a nominee. Um, I actually listened back to the interview today and um, it's good stuff. There's a lot of gems in there, but it was so funny to see how, um, I don't want to say naive I felt at the time, but just, uh, it's interesting. So just keep that in mind as you're listening to the the, the, the conversation that um, it's a little dated. Uh, but that's all from me. So go ahead and grab yourself a latte or whatever you're drinking today and enjoy this encore conversation with my friend Garrett Conley. And just a note about the quality of the recording. Uh, we had this conversation before I had got my new microphone, and uh, Garrett was actually recording inside of a public library, so there's a little bit of background noise, but uh, think of it as just a very candid live conversation that you'd be having with two of your friends. All right, let's get into it. You're Garrett Conley. You wrote Boy Erased. You said it correctly, too. That's exciting. I asked um, someone (laughs) before. Okay. That's great. Yeah, because I'm just like, I'm not going to mispronounce his name, um, because that would be really um, upsetting, probably. They've done it at, like, big bookstore events. Oh, gosh. (laughs) What's the worst iteration of your name that you've gotten? Um, Gerald, which doesn't even make sense, because there's no L. (laughs) I have gotten that one. Gerald. Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Conley, everyone. He's Gerald from, Conley. He's from Arkansas. <laughs> he's from Ar- this is Gerald Conley. He's from Arkansas. <laughs> Son of a pastor's boy. He is. Yeah. He is uh, a degenerate, <laughs> among other things. And yeah. he's here to tell you about his, uh, his her- heretical book. Yes, uh, very heretical. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Boy Race, uh, I have not finished it yet. So, no spoilers. That's fine. Just kidding. Spoiler no. alert. No, there's... <laughs> I'm still I mean, gay. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's totally. not what this this uh, interview is about. I was, I was hoping to get you uh, yeah, on stage I, with the RNC. To... I have bad news for those people. It's just not going to work. Oh, sad times. <laughs> As I've been reading, um, I there are so many Me Too moments that have happened for me. Like, I went through conversion therapy starting, like, age 14 with Exodus. Oh my gosh! So, so, so like Exodus proper, like the, the yeah, Exodus International. Yeah. No, it was like one of their satellite offices. Um, yeah. But like they were associated with Exodus. I went to two Exodus. I went to an Exodus retreat, an Exodus conference. Did you go to Love Wins Out or what was it? I can't remember the name. I think it was like Love Wins Out or something like that. No, I, n- I never got to that. I was too dedicated to my lead in the musical TV. <laughs> That probably saved you. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I'm really thankful for your writing. Um, so for people who haven't, uh, I guess, read the book or have heard of Boy Erased, give me, like, uh, you know, give them a synopsis, if you will. Which sure. you probably have given this synopsis a thousand times over. Yeah, I'm, like, a pro at it now. Um, so I went to an ex-gay reparative therapy facility uh, called Love in Action in Memphis, Tennessee, and it was like a 12-step program to cure you Mm. of being gay, or really anything on the spectrum. Um, And they grouped us with people that were dealing with bestiality, pornography addictions, pedophilia, etc. So like a lot of the book alternates between chapters 
sort of talking about the therapy practices that they did at Love and Action, and then also um, the reasons why my parents agreed to send me to this place and why I agreed to go, which I actually thought was more important as like a way to explain mm-hmm. conservatives to liberals and liberals to conservatives. Yeah. And when you were you were going there, this is like, I'm going here because I'm trying to get right with God and with my family and all that stuff. Yeah. So my father is a missionary Baptist preacher. He became one when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And we were always pretty fundamentalist. Like, we went to church three times a week. Mm-hmm. And I know that life. Yes. Yeah. It's, and, you know, it wasn't always bad. But then when my dad became a pastor, uh, everything sort of amped up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his life was under scrutiny. So was mine. And, you know, when, wow. I, when I was outed... Um, he was like, you know, you have to go to this place because people are going to be paying attention and also I'm not going to pay for your college. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and so when that happened, like, you know, I, I'd been questioning whether or not I might live as an out gay man somewhere. Mm-hmm. A practicing a, homosexual, if you yes, will. Yes, practicing. Um, <laughs> in, like, you know, one of those hedonistic mm-hmm. cities. Um and so I was questioning that, but then when this happened, I was raped right before this happened, and my mm. rapist outed me to my parents. It's bad. Wow, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucked up. Um, and so, like, all of this was sort of swirling together in my brain, like, oh, I guess gay sex is rape, like everyone mm. always said it was. Yeah. Um, I guess that my parents are never going to speak to me again, and I won't get to go to college. And so mm. all of these things combined with my childhood that was already steeped in this fundamentalist worldview combined to create the perfect storm which was love and action they were just waiting for me i think the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that these mindsets that you've talked about in your book and that are kind of talked about uh in conservative circles like you and I, like we probably both run in more liberal to progressive circles. So as someone who's never been a part of this culture, it's like, what people actually try to pray the gay way. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a thing. And it's, it's awful. I just wrote an, a piece for vice like yesterday that sort of talks about this incredulous attitude that liberal audiences have. Mm-hmm. Like it's really frustrating mm-hmm. because you know, people are always like, how could this happen in our country? How could it have happened as recently in 2000, as 2004? And yeah. I always say, well, we still live in a country with 40% LGBT youth makeup, like all youth homelessness, mm-hmm. like LGBTQ is 40%. And that's so, ridiculous. Like, and so I always say, like, people do worse than send their kids to ex-gay therapy. They kick them out of their houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, we live in that country. We also live in a country where the GOP platform has just decided that conversion yeah. therapy should be included. We also live in a country where, like, you know, one of our major political parties has decided to try to overturn marriage equality. So, like, how is this shocking to people? I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. <laughs> They're just not paying attention. So, I don't know, like, like, when you encounter people who just see, who have this, like you said, an incredulous attitude or just like, that's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's a joke. It's yeah. always a joke. That's unless like like I I mean I like I you know tried to commit suicide twice. Me too. Because for yeah. you know 
uh, what was it? I guess it was 12 years for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really come to grips with it till I was 25 and I was 13, 14 at the time, something like that. Wow. But like, I like, you know, people talk about it. It's like, oh, that's just a joke. I was like, no, it really isn't. And like, I've got years of therapy to prove. You know? Yeah. And you know, these ex-gay therapists have blood on their hands because there are people who did commit suicide after attending these places. Yeah. And you look at, you look at Leah Alcorn. Yeah. God rest her soul. Suicide. Right. Like these are real people who lost mm-hmm. their lives. It's not a joke. I mean, I get the, the desire to turn it into a joke. You know, it's like, it is ridiculous. It does seem ripe for satire, mm-hmm. but it's also, you know, that's the only narrative that I was told in mainstream is that it's a joke. You know, there's like a South Park episode. It was on SNL. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the new season of Orange is the New Black has a joke in it. Like, every single one of the portrayals of this type of therapy has been through the lens of this joke. Mm-hmm. Or it's been places that are infiltrating you know, these facilities, which those make me a little bit upset too. I mean, I know why people are doing it. You mean like people going into ex-gay therapy under false pretenses? Yeah. It's like gonzo journalism, you know, where they're (laughs) just like, okay, we're going to go in and pretend that we need to be converted and let's make fun of these monsters who are doing this. Mm -hmm. And like, that was never my goal with the book. My goal was to actually explain the motivations behind Mm -hmm. why people agreed to go to this and why people did this. And I always say, you know, ex-gay therapy is a microcosm of the types of bigotry that exists all over our country for, yeah. queer, for queer people. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's like in the water if you grow up in these places. Yeah, and definitely. So it's not shocking when you go to a place like Love in Action. It's not shocking. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. It's just like what you've already been introduced to your whole yeah. life. I think, like, the first thing to do is we, we have to say it isn't a joke. And we have to listen to people's stories, like you said. Like, there are several books that have been coming out. Saving Alex was another one. Mm-hmm. I was this girl who was forced into conversion therapy. She was Mormon. Wow. So that's another one that just came out from a big press. Um, and so, like, you know, this is becoming a more mainstream issue, especially right now as the GOP is like mm-hmm. adopting this completely crazy rhetoric that's mm-hmm. like that feels like 2004 again god right um, yeah and so like i think that you know i've been writing articles i've been telling people i think if people are willing to listen they should spread the the message and say mm-hmm. like this is actually still going on only five states have actually banned it mm-hmm. and if the republicans take complete control of everything they're going to yeah. try to push the um, First Amendment Protection Act, which allows physicians to do this sort of thing, with you know, yeah. like across all states. So mm-hmm. even the bans wouldn't work anymore. So like, if they create some sort of federal law that passes that way, which you know, it seems almost impossible. But but then, everything... Do- but then again, Donald Trump is also yeah, the Republican exactly. nominee. So like, you know what? Sky's yeah. the limit, you guys. I know. Well, I always. That's what. Do you know the writer Garth Greenwell? He wrote a book, What Belongs to You. It's it's a really great gay book this year. And, you know, we were touring together, and people kept saying, well, what do you think about this Trump thing? And we were always like, well, it's entirely possible because, like, the pendulum can go swing the other direction at any moment. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's queer in this country knows this. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there Gosh. can be 
pockets of liberalism, and then suddenly the country just becomes super conservative again. Look at Brexit right now. Yeah. Look at all of the European conservatism that's coming back into power. Like, it can happen anytime. I think there's um I think there's a moment that we're kind of like stepping into where we're realizing that you know queer justice is wrapped up in justice for people of color is wrapped up in justice for women immigrants yeah. the poor well yeah I mean I've always defined my queerness off of the feminist movement like mm-hmm. that was my first introduction to queer theory mm-hmm. is you know these great theorists that were feminists mm-hmm. and so like that. I think it should always stem from other movements because they were before us. Yeah. You know, I mean, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Be- it just seems like a lot of our rhetoric has been borrowed from feminist theory anyway. Yeah. And now it's time for all of us to sort of agree. Like, you know, the, the idea that black lives matter is something that I don't think is difficult to adopt. <laughs> as like, Absolutely. As a queer person in the U S or, you know, um, yeah, just I feel like it is a time in which boundaries are sort of already becoming a little bit unstable mm-hmm. in terms of identity, which is good. Oh yeah. Um, and so as we continue to unravel these sort of traditional roles or ideas of ourselves, like we have to be willing to be inclusive with mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. And and that rhetoric, you know, when you were talking about Oh, but you're not like those other people. Mm-hmm. That rhetoric is used on queer people all the all time. All the damn time. I I always, when I was, you know, getting out of ex-gay therapy and starting to tell people that I was gay, I would always hear like, oh, but you're not flamboyant like those other really annoying guys. Or, oh, you, know, you don't act like that. And I would be like, you know, at first I just wanted to fit in and I would be like, oh, good, yeah. And yeah. as I got older, I was like, fuck that. Like, mm-hmm. what if I was flamboyant? What if I want to be flamboyant right now? Yeah. What if I start dressing in drag? Like, are you going to just hate mm-hmm. me now? Coming out in the church, like, it's such an interesting thing. Because, like, I've had people say to me, some of my people I used to consider my closest friends, is like, oh, well, we don't see you through the lens of, you're gay, Kevin. We see you through the lens of, you're just Kevin. And of I'm like, just yes. Kevin. I'm like, yes, that's true. And I want you to see, like, my whole person. But, like, my sexuality is as much a part of me as your sexuality is a part of you. You and your marriage and your child. Like, that all sprung from somewhere. They define their entire lives by that, like straight people do. Oh, my gosh. Like, right? It's it's bonkers to me. Like, like, how do you see, like, like, I I don't see you through the lens of you're straight, but I still acknowledge it and I honor that. It's so funny. Funny is not the right word, but... I mean, my reaction with that stuff, I used to be very measured and careful and blah, 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 because I, you know, I'm very much stuck between a conservative family and a very liberal friends group. Yeah. But, but now I'm just like, when I hear stuff like that, I just want to be like, well, you know, actually I do see straight people through a straight lens and I love being gay so much, like as my identity that mm-hmm. I wish it was more of it. Like, I yeah. actually, like I'm like, yeah. please see me as gay. Please let me like wear a rainbow flag all the time if you need to see that. Yeah. Because I just feel like visibility is super important. Mm-hmm. And, like, and this idea that people have to somehow make a percentage 
of what you are yeah, based on so like a label is really strange to me. Yeah. Like there's no, it's not like your capacity to be human mm-hmm. is tied to this percentage level. <laughs> like it's like mm-hmm. I can be 100% gay and 100% smart mm-hmm. and 100% a writer and I can be all of these things at one time. Yeah, and I can be masculine, and I can be yeah, sensitive, and I can and be... And I can be feminine, too. Yeah. Like, I can be all of these things at once. It's just... People, it's just, they want to, like... They want to parse it out. Yeah. I'm actually writing that in uh, in my book. I'm talking about... Um, I call it like, dissecting the human heart. We it's, it's a tendency to separate, like, work life from spiritual life from friendship life yep. down the line. And then we do that with, like... Uh, you know, what people would call sin nature, you know, I'm going to put that over there. Those dark parts of me, those aren't really me. And yeah, it's like, exactly. no, the fact that you are a jealous asshole is definitely you. Definitely. And that's okay. That. As long as you can bring it in, own it and say, okay, I'm going to be not as much of an asshole if I can. But it's these things where just like, you are like, like, and it's something lacking in, I think, conserv- maybe Western culture in general. It's just like, you are a single human with, yeah. Life, death, happiness, joy, fear, anger, you know, shallow moments and incredibly deep moments all smashed together in this old meat sack. <laughs> well, you know, like, I don't think this is particularly, like, you know, confined to the Republican Party, but I just read through the GOP platform, like, all of it. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, I had to do it for research, so I didn't feel as horrible. But, you know, like probably 15 or 20 times it talks about like good and evil and like people being good or people being evil. And it, it, like on one, in one paragraph it has God 12 times and I'm like, okay, so this party seems to actually believe that there are just good and evil people. I mean, we already know that, but it's just crazy to see it in their platform language. I feel like that's part of a, you know, that's that's an extreme end of mm-hmm. a much larger trend in U.S. culture, which is, you know, we've been commodifying ourselves and selling ourselves as, you know, experts at whatever, you know. And so I think mm. part of that is also tied up with, well, she's just a bitch or he's just an asshole or, like, you know, mm-hmm. like people just have decided that we need to mm-hmm. label people as good or bad in some ways, yeah. which... It's just uninteresting to me, as a writer especially. Yeah, I feel that. I'm like, character people. Yeah. Characters are interesting. People and their characters are interesting regardless of the horrible things that they do. They're still interesting. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you can sit down and, like, dissect Donald Trump. Like, I was like, he is infinitely interesting. super interesting. Yeah. And then then just as much as you can go up to, you know, know, any of – any of us who walked through actually mm-hmm. therapy, anybody who was putting on like like facilitating yeah. the stuff, and I think that's like, and it's something that I really struggle with too. And maybe you can speak to this: is that even though like I want to like walk into like my pastor's office and just be like, "Do you understand the damage you're doing when you disallow me from serving because I'm gay?" Mm-hmm. Or I want to get it in my own family's face. Yeah. It's like, I understand that this person is more than just this one thing that they dislike or disagree on, which is like very, like maybe, you know, I don't want to say too merciful, but it's like, I don't want to be 
I want that. I want the same people who are committing like these, like, like who are bigots and like who mm-hmm. have bigoted ideals. I want them to be set free just as much as I want yeah. other people to be free too, because like, it's not just, you know, yes, oppression is real, but there's also like a mental, there's, there's a lack of freedom, I think for mm-hmm. people who hold those beliefs. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. And I, I can speak to this a little bit because in my dealings with my family, you know, I had to sort of, in order to write the book well, I had to really get inside their heads again. And, and one of the, you know, one of the things I realized is that my mom really wanted to be free. She wanted to be free from these old ideas, and now she is. My dad is not, but it took a lot of patience and explaining things to her and her listening in order for her to reach that stage. And I think that there are people that can be sort of saved from bigotry, but I also think there are people that, especially the people who perpetuated the therapy, like John Smith, who was the head of Love and Action, where I went, um, I became Facebook friends with him. I began to speak with him. But what I realized very quickly is that my compassion can sometimes be limited because, you know, the things that he would say were triggering or, you know, there, I would see these, you know, egotistical traits that he'd always had suddenly come back, you know, even though he's married to a man. Um, and I would just be like, you know what, I'm going to spend my energy on the people who, you know, didn't necessarily do these horrible things, but need my help. So people who were survivors and people, and I think that sometimes we have to make those decisions. Yes, theoretically, everyone deserves to be set free. But in terms of, you know, equal rights and give, you know, I think we have to, we have to privilege those who are on the lower end of things. I think, you know, I've always been a humanist at heart. Like, even when I was very religious, I would always be like, yeah, but what are we going to do for people? Yeah, but what are we actually doing? Yeah, um, what good is think, heaven later if you're going yeah, to hell now? Exactly, and people would always be like, oh, but that's very works-based. And I would be like, yeah, it is very works-based. I, I think am very works-based. Like, like, <laughs> you think the hell Jesus did. Like, yeah, exactly. He like, literally he, was on the road <laughs> all the time. <laughs> He was just touring everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he had, like, you know, had he written a book, like, he'd have given plenty of talks. Well, he would have gone know, plenty he, of sort, he sort of did. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Like, you know, the Sermon on the Mount if in you front believe, of the... If you believe John, he totally did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Everywhere. And the only people who didn't like him was his family. That's true. So. They, yeah. Mary was just like, what are you doing? Like, and all his brothers and sisters were just like, dude, like, you gotta chill. Calm, and, calm and it like, down. Yeah, and he's like, nah, bruh. That was my conversation with Garrett Conley. You can get the book Boy Erased wherever fine books are sold. You can interact with Garrett on social media at GayRodCon. That's G-A-Y-R-O-D-C-O-N. And at his website, GarrettConley.com. Be sure to go see the film Boy Erased, which is uh, coming out all over the United States very, very soon. Starring the likes of Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe, Troy Sivan, and more. It's just going to be a really fantastic time. So, uh, Garrett, thank you so much for sitting down with me all those years ago. I hope that you're doing well, my friend. So proud of you. 
Tiny Revolution is supported by 137 amazing people on Patreon. Patreon is a way for you to actually give back to the creatives of your life that are making the content that matters. So if this podcast has been good for you, if you think this conversation was important, if you want to increase the visibility of queer Christians on the internet, then I would love for you to become a supporting partner through Patreon. There's a bunch of amazing perks. I just sent out all the t-shirts like last week. They should be on their way soon. Um, What else is there? There is a second podcast coming out soon called Decent Advice. There is monthly meditations for you. For those of you out there who really just need like a little bit of a chillax time, um, I'll give you one sample one on here, but the rest of them you're going to have to go pick up yourself. (laughs) Anyways, I hope that you're doing well. Um, I don't think I have anything more to say. Go get your tickets for the Q Christian Fellowship Conference. Follow me on social media at the Kevin Garcia. Be sure to check out my social media platforms, all the places, because I'm constantly updating and sharing what's going on in my life. There's a lot of stuff happening on the YouTube. There's a lot of stuff happening on the blog. I have a new ebook coming out on my birthday. Mark my words, which is November 14th. And what else, what else, what else, what else, what else? I think that's everything. So until next time, go see your therapist, move your body, eat something delicious, drink some water, coffee, wine, um, hang out with your friends a little bit. I know that sometimes it can be stressful and be like, oh, got too much to do. But let me tell you what, we got to lean on our people, honey. I'm just like I'm leaning in to you. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I will talk to you very soon. Bye now.